Bokartov, we are back with Sefer Shemuel Bet. We are in the 19th chapter of Shemuel Bet. We did the first nine Pesukim of, of, of the chapter. For those who remember, uh, what happened in the first nine Pesukim of this chapter is that uh, David is, is uh, mourning the loss of Absalom and forgets to acknowledge that his warriors just saved him and saved his kingdom and have defeated his enemy and, his, and, and have, and have uh, stomped out the rebellion. In so doing, he runs the risk of losing the love of the people, of the remaining people that actually supported him through this time. And it kind of looks like he is giving credence to the one who rebelled against him over the people who have actually supported him this whole time. And Yoav picks up on this. Yoav gives him a scathing rebuke for how he's behaving. And then David, you know, pretty much acknowledges. So he gets up. In Pasuk 9, he gets up and he sits in the gate. And all the people said, the king has come out of the gate. The, come, the, king, uh, the people come before the king. And the, the, the rebellion, all, everybody went back to their tents. So finally the people come and they see the king. And uh, apparently he acknowledges that he's appreciated for what they've done and so on. Uh, Yoav was uh, a part of his rebuke First of all, it's interesting that Yoav rebuked the king Because the whole time there's this, there this subtext to the story Of how much is Yoav a competition to the king Meaning, does he really listen to the word of the king Or is he doing his own thing Yoav seems to do what he thinks is best for the kingdom Even if it's against the will of the king right? And we have this question as to whether that is good or bad Because on the one hand He's doing what he thinks is good for the kingdom On the other hand He does it against the, the thinking of the king So if the king thinks this guy could be an asset And Yoav thinks this guy could be an enemy Yoav will kill the guy right, That's what happened with Abner When the king was trying to consolidate the kingdom At the beginning of the book Yoav kills him Why? Because the king thinks he's good But I think he's bad And I, I don't want the kingdom to fall So I'm going to kill him Kills Avshalom. The king wants Avshalom alive. He asks for him alive. No, Avshalom is not an asset. So he kills him. And this is the Yoav's like type. That's kind of what we see from him. Is that I don't know what motivates him. I don't know if he has his will for power. And, or he sees David as working for him. So he just does what he wants. And he wants to maintain the kingdom for himself. Is that what's driving him? Does he like his position in the kingdom? And he wants the kingdom to succeed in order to continue to have his position. So he fights for the kingdom even against the will of the king. Maybe that's what's motivating him. Or he just cares for David so much that he thinks sometimes David is wrong-headed and he's so passionate and he's so emotional and he's such, a, he's such an impulsive guy that he does things that sometimes are against the king even though he really does have the best in mind. Whatever it is, so in this case, Yoav gives him the scathing rebuke, which is fascinating that someone, a general, would have that kind of gall to give the king such a scathing rebuke. David gives in and he comes and he meets the people and it seems like that whole issue of David not showing any joy at the end, that's avoided. It doesn't cause any greater issue, okay? Now, Pasuk Yud, from here we begin the process of David returning to Yerushalayim. David is going to have to return to Yerushalayim. He's still on the other side of the Jordan River after having defeated Avshalom's people. So he's on the other side of the Jordan River. He has to make his way back into the city. And this is going to open up a lot of debate amongst Am Yisrael as to whether David should actually return. And it's also going to end up with David now having to either uh, punish the people who were against him or reward the people who 
joined him along this way. Now that David's coming back into power, it's going to be like time to take an accounting of who deserves what. Okay. In the land, all the people, all the tribes of Israel were having this debate. They were saying, look, on the one hand, David saved us from our enemies. And he was the one who saved us from the Pelishtim. And he ran away from Avshalom. And Avshalom, the one we, we anointed as our king, he has died in war. So why are you slow or, or avoiding to bring back the king? Meaning, so there's this debate happening in Israel. The debate being, well, David is no longer... David, the, the, it only really represents the positive side of the debate, which is David was the one who fought our wars. He left because of Absalom. Absalom is now dead. So why are you guys not bringing him back? And apparently the other side of the debate really didn't have much of a response. So as we're going to see, David will be brought back on the, on the you know, based on this large Pasukid bet. Ve'amelech David... And at the same time, David was sending to Tzadok and Aviatar the Kohanim, who were like his, uh, his, uh, his plants inside Yerushalayim. And he said, speak to the elders of Yehuda and say, do you want to be the, why would you be the last ones to bring the king back into his house? And already the will of Israel has been, has come to the king to bring him back to his home. So the way Radak explains this whole episode is that at the same time David is sending to Tzadok and Eviatar to go to the elders of Yehuda and to ask them to let David back in. At the same time he gets word of the fact that the rest of the tribes have agreed to let David back in because of Shalom that they made their king is now dead and David was originally a very good king anyways. How long of a period was this that people are saying, why haven't you come back yet? So did he stay? Oh, how long was he on yes. the other side of the Jordan River after the war ended? I don't know. It could be days, months, whatever it was. It became a, an amount, a period of time, period where, of time where the whole country the question, was about The question it. could arise, should we bring him back as the king or not? Right. So, so as... He's getting word from the rest of the tribes that we are going to let you back in because the logic allows it. He doesn't hear anything from the people of Yehuda who are kind of independent. So he sends to Tzadok and Aviatar, look, all of the rest of Israel wants me back. Do you want to be the last ones to allow, allow me in? You are my brothers, you are my bones, my flesh. Why should you be the last one to bring the king back? Wouldn't it look bad if Yehuda, who is my tribe, doesn't let me back, but Israel comes to the conclusion that we should let him back? Now, if you remember, uh, Avshalom had a general named Amasa, who was the general of the, of the army of Avshalom. Okay? So he, as, as, as is always the case, the generals of the respective factions have a lot of power in swaying the will of the people because they're seen as like the quasi-king. If you remember when Avner was the, the, the leading general of the other side of the Shaul's family faction at the beginning of the book, David asked for Avner to come join him. Now David is going to be doing the same thing with Amasa to help sway the hearts of the people who were following Avshalom. And you guys should go to Amasa, you should say. Hello, atzmiu sariata. You're my, my, uh, my bone, my flesh. I think we also said Amasa was... Uh, his nephew. His nephew, yes. right? He was uh, from the family of Tziruya. 
I swear, uh, basically on my life, that God should, should do this to me. If, if I do not make you the general of the army for all of the days instead of Yoav. Now that is going to be interesting. Because Yoav, first of all, does, never takes kindly to opposing generals. Let alone if they are coming to take his position. Okay? Let's look at uh, the Radak on this. Tachat Yoav, instead of Yoav, Radak says, Kisane David at Yoav al Sheharagat Avshalom. David hated Yoav for killing Avshalom. And he wanted to remove him officially so that Yoav would no longer be his general. This guy is too unruly. He doesn't follow my will. He does his own thing. I want him out. Okay? And Amasa was able to successfully tilt the hearts of all the people of Yehuda. Okay? He was able to tilt the hearts of Yehuda like one man back to the king. So they sent for the king and they said, Come back, you and all your servants. So now we have all of the tribes of Israel are pro David. Yehuda, by the help of Amasa, has become pro David as well. They send for David and they bring him, they ask to bring him back in. And so the king returned and he comes to the Jordan River. And Yehuda came and appeared at Gilgal, which is at the entrance of the country when you cross the Jordan River. They approach Gilgal to escort the king back into, into Yerushalayim. To help him cross the Jordan River. And then, guess who shows up? Shimi ben Gera, the son of the Benjaminite, who was from Bahurim. And he comes with the people of Yehuda to the king to see the king David. Now, who was Shimi ben Gera? Shimi ben Gera was the Benjaminite who cursed David. When David was being chased out by Avshalom, on his exit, Shimi ben Gera was cursing David. And he was telling him, you're responsible for the blood of, of Shaul. You're the one who spilled the blood of this family. I curse you, I curse you, I curse you. And he was cursing him along the entire way back with a, with a level of intensity that we said was like very, very, uh, very scary. Um, and now we're going to see how does David deal with this guy? Is David going to say, okay, accounting time. You rebelled against me. You were the, 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 the most vociferous opponent. So time for you to die. Or maybe he's in the mood of pardoning people. We'll see. So he approaches David. And a thousand men came with him. From Binyamin. And so was Tziva. The house, who, the, the guy who was a servant in the house of Shaul. The attendant of the house of Shaul. And his 15 sons, and his 20 servants were with him, this Tziva guy. And they passed along the Yarden with the king. Okay, so it's a, it's a funny group of people. It's the people of Yehuda who, are, who you'd expect. But it's also Shimi ben Gera who we expect is going to be put to death. And then there is Tziva, who Tziva was the attendant who was uh, Mephibosheth's attendant, right? That David told him, you have to serve Mephibosheth and 
give Mephibosheth his, you know, his portion in the house of Shaul. The guy that we suspected, the servant that we suspected was stealing from Mephibosheth the whole time. And then who ends up coming to David, if you remember when David was leaving Yerushalayim, this Tziva guy comes and he says, Mephibosheth is against you, he is rebelling against you. And David says, okay, you could have all of his money. So then the servant now became the wealthy, the master of the owner. Right? And the, the, the problem is that the owner could not represent himself because he is a cripple. If you remember, Mephibosheth was a cripple. So this Tziva guy now shows up with fanfare and wealth. 15 sons is a representation of wealth. And he has 20 servants, this guy. And he shows up to bring David back. Because he knows he's a politician and he's a thief. And he's a charlatan. So he knows what he needs to do to win the favor of David. So Shimi ben Gera is an interesting character to reappear. We're going to see what happens to him. Tziva... A disgusting character reappears. I hate. I hate the character of Tzila. I think he's the maybe one of the worst guys in the entire book. <laughs> he shows up with his uh, in his uh, you know like a like posse with his posse yeah. of, of and, and his fanfare and all of his wealth that he just stole. And the passing passes to pass the king and to do. Uh, good in his eyes and Shimi ben Gera fell before the king when he crossed the Jordan River now he, he opens up Shimi ben Gera and he says to the king please do not consider for me a sin and do not remember what your, your servant twisted on the day that my master left Yerushalayim Lasuma Melech Elibo, do not let the, bring take this to heart. Don't take to heart all the evil that I did to you, or the curse that I did to you, or the whatever sin I I did when you were leaving Yerushalayim. Pasuk Kaf Aleph, Ki Yada Avdecha Ki Ani Chatati, for your servant knows that I have sinned. Vehinevati Hayom Rishon Nechol Bet Yosef, and I have come today first from the house of Yosef, meaning first from Binyamin, first from that family. I've come with the people of Yehuda who are the first to show up. To come down before my master, the king. So Avishai, brother of Yoav, who's also from the Siruya clan, says, Should I not kill Shim'i for this? For he is cursed, the anointed of God. He cursed. There's nothing more rebellious than what Shimi did. Is he not deserving of death? Now, David, he has a bias against Tzuriya's family. He's sick of Tzuriya's family right now, as Radak says. He doesn't like their clan. He doesn't like their type. Always quick, always hot-headed, always quick to kill. David, So David says, what is it to me and to you, you sons of Tzuriya? That you're going to be like a... Like a, a Prosecutor for me today. Hayom yumat ish Israel. Should someone in Israel die today? It's a happy day today. Ki yadati ki hayom For today I know that I am king over Israel. On this day of joy, you want me to start killing people? And what message is that going to send? Now I don't know to what extent is, is David motivated here by, the, by wanting to maintain a mood of joy on the day of his returning to show that he's a benevolent king so that people accept him. Or is he just motivated by animosity towards the people of the brothers of Syria, the sons of Syria? It also shows a lot of weakness on his part because if he doesn't kill her, there was this girl. huge rebellion against him. He was forced out of Yerushalayim into the Palestinian lands. He 
had a small army. The odds were all against him, it looked like. He ended up winning the war. There were a lot of casualties. And instead of going and showing victory to all these people who really put their lives on the line, He's that would be a lower position to say, you know what, we're going to be the underdogs and fight with you and support you. Instead of going back to Yerushalayim and taking back his kingship, he stayed in the the Western Bank for some time. We don't know how long, but obviously enough time for he waits for spread. them to bring him back. Then he waits for them to bring him back, and then he starts pardoning pardoning people who are against so him. So you think it's a sign of weakness? I, it could be. Uh, I, it think, could be I think I think I think there are two ways. ways. I think he's either trying to maintain a mood of joy, to to present a persona of the benevolent king, so that people are happy to have him back. He's not a king who's going to come and start killing people right and left. Or he just has a personal animosity towards the sons of Turiya. And if some other general were to have said, told him, kill this guy, he would have killed him. But because they're saying it, he, he specifically wants to not do what they want. Because he doesn't like the, their type, their aggressive, murderous type. I think adding to that point also, it could be seen that this whole ordeal shows that he cares. Sometimes he cares much more about his family and the loss of grieving his son than he does about Am Yisrael also. Wow. That would be very negative It would be very negative But it could be seen that way Adding to your point Where it's more of a personal thing Than it is for All of Am Yisrael So we're going to see There there is a postscript to this Okay so first of all He says to Shimi He said you're not going to die And the king swore to him That he won't die Okay So that's the end of that story Tomorrow we're going to do the story And he comes back Crying to David That Siva stole everything from me But there is a postscript to this story in that when all is said and done, David is actually going to punish Shim'i. Which means that it, maybe you could look at this more in a positive light that David is just the timing. David wants to maintain a, a, happy, uh, a happy day feel. He doesn't want it to turn into a day of bloodshed. But if you look at the beginning of the next book of Melachim, David is going to have Shim'i punished for what he did. He's just waiting for the time when it's not going to have other deleterious effects on his kingdom. So I would say you could, you could make the claim, but because he ends up punishing him, that David is being strategic here. And I, I agree. I, you agree know, I, I think that's Peshat. It could I be think, seen. It could be seen I think the Peshat is that he's being strategic. Uh, we'll continue with Zashem tomorrow. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen.